When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome everyone to WrestleMania 13! Welcome to a jam-packed, hold-out, Rosebud Horizon in Chapurban, Chicago! And yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the World Wrestling Federation! Phony little faker, why don't you all right, take all right, your little pussy foot injury, no. go back and find no. your smile, but whatever you do, stay out of this match. I just I'm want petrified. you to know, when you slam that door on my head, you slam the door on our friendship, and from here on in, it's a new set of rules between you and me. You know, and I know, and every single person in this building knows that he's a Federation Championship belt belongs to me, and you are a fraud. Amazing. All right, that was this is WrestleMania Rewind. <laughs> Phil Mackey, Declan Goff, and we are buzzing through. Initially, it was going to be all of the WrestleManias. We're, we're going to take it up probably through like the mid-20s. We're, we're yeah. at WrestleMania 13 for this episode. And then we're going to, once we get up to like the mid-20s and through some of those legendary Triple H taker matches and Michael's taker, We'll probably then pivot back to like prominent wrestling pay-per-views yeah. that are more interesting to review, like when Mankind got thrown off the top of Hell in a Cell. Like we for should sure. do that one for sure. Right. Yeah, we're we're in we're in the early gold mine here of, of wrestle. Like we are on a run here of this is epic it, man. WrestleManias. I'm really excited for these next basically ten weeks. <laughs> yep. It kind of starts with WrestleMania twelve when you get the Iron Man match, and that's like Shawn Michaels is getting into his peak and Bret Hart is at his peak and Stone Cold is introduced. WrestleMania 13 took place on March 23rd, 1997, inside the Rosemont Horizon, just outside Chicago in the suburbs. I believe it's the Allstate Arena now. And this arena has had some legendary WrestleManias and other events. AEW basically launched itself off the uh, off the back of, of this arena in Chicago about a year and a half ago. 18,197. And this WrestleMania is known for a few things, but it's most notably known, Declan, for one of the greatest matches of all time, Stone Cold Steve Austin against Bret Hart in a submission match. And I think we could literally spend like two hours just on this match. <laughs> in fact, a uh, hat tip to our friend, I think it was Mike McGivern, uh, and we'll get to his observations as he gives them every week on this show. There's a great podcast as part of the Edge and Christian yeah, uh, I can't remember the name of the but uh, it's, table for two. Is that no? It's, well, that's their video thing on the network, right? It's like ENC's podcast of awesomeness or something. Sure. Yeah, and they haven't done they they stopped doing episodes back in the fall when Edge started training for a WWE return, 
But in like 2018, they sat down for an hour and a half with Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin, and those guys talk through the entire match. Stone Cold also has on his own podcast, he has one where you queue up the match and he talks through the whole thing for like 30 minutes and explains everything that's happening and pauses it and will go through it. Awesome. And so um, I think we should let I think we should start with this match because it's like our the first category is what is your favorite part about WrestleMania 13? And I yeah. will just start with it is this match. Right. This is my second favorite, maybe third, but it's definitely one of my three favorite WrestleMania matches of all time. The only one I would put for sure ahead of it is one that I saw in person. But the only WrestleMania I've ever been to in person was, I think it was WrestleMania 27 or 28, the one that was in Miami like seven years ago, right? where The Rock and John Cena main evented. And the match that stole that card show was Triple H versus Undertaker inside Hell in a Cell. And it was like the fourth match in this DX versus Taker uh, sort of four-year run, where it was yeah. two against Michaels, then it was one against Triple H, then it was this one against Triple H. Inside Hell in a Cell was Shawn Michaels as the special guest referee. And that was like a 30 or 40 minute epic match with false finishes. It was amazing. The crowd was ridiculous. But this match right here was a springboard for the Attitude Era to just go completely bonkers and all in. It was a springboard for Stone Cold Steve Austin to be a fan favorite. You could see it, it was it was a double turn where Stone Cold Steve Austin becomes a good guy and Bret Hart as you heard in the clip off the top of the show not only becomes a bad guy at the end of this match, he comes back out later and like interferes in the main event, and yeah. he's like on the microphone trash talking Undertaker and and Psycho Sid. So, um, what were your observations about this particular match? Okay, Declan? so I I've heard of the legend of this match, and I've never seen it. Before oh, this yesterday. is your first time. Oh, yeah, yeah. I I've seen the iconic clip of Stone Cold's bloody face in the sharpshooter passing out. I I so I knew how it ended, but I never watched it from start to finish. And, you know, sometimes in these WrestleManias and in most wrestling, wrestling pay-per-views, you know, you can, you can tune out a little bit. You can scroll on your phone for a while. You can just kind of putz around the house. And for this one, I was locked in from start to finish. Yeah, it's unreal. And I will say, as I wrote down in my notes, this was the best match that I have ever seen of all yes. the matches. Yes. It's not even close. It was, I, I remember... When I first heard like submission match, like well, submission match was Stone Cold. I was like, that, that right. dude's not a submission guy. I don't right. understand why they would put him in that. And yet, Stone Cold still puts on a sharpshooter and goes toe to toe and stomps a mud hole in Bret Hart, as he loves to say. Yes, and it's it's an epicness of great tactician of Bret Hart, and then Stone Cold just being the bruiser and still getting after Bret Hart, and also having a little bit more of of of, of wrestling prowess to him as well. But I, I thought it was, it's the greatest match I've ever seen. We'll get to Far some none. of the, the story about like how and why this match. Because Stone Cold actually won the Royal Rumble in 1997. Yeah. He won it. Like, and I, I didn't really get back into wrestling until after this WrestleMania. So I circled back on this one once once the Attitude Era fired up. I was sort of late to the party on the launch of Stone Cold Steve Austin. But I didn't realize until later on he actually he had won the Royal Rumble in 1997. And then Shawn Michaels had backed out because of a knee injury of right. WrestleMania. But it was also... It was less a knee injury and more that like Shawn Michaels was just a disaster in his personal life and drug abuse and lost his smile. and he lost his smile. Yes, <laughs> that's how it was painted. And so um, this match, Stone Cold and Bret Hart already sort of had their feud and their thing in late 1996, and they had a big match at Survivor Series and they were both in the title in the title picture. And so when it was decided to put these guys back together, they had to come up with some other hook. Like they couldn't just have another match because they had already had their match like at Survivor Series. 
and uh, and everyone kind of put their heads together and said, what if it's a submission match, which definitely takes away like a lot of st- like the Stone Cold intrigue because his finisher is a Stone Cold stunner and he pins you. Yeah. And so they added they added the submission match layer and then the Ken Shamrock special guest referee layer right. coming over from UFC and then the brilliant job of commentary. I think Vince McMahon is way over the top with commentary, but where he did a great job with Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler in this match was not not only like aiding the the public perception of like liking Stone Cold and hating Bret Hart with little comments throughout, but yeah. they answered your question for you when you said, well, a, a submission match. Bret Hart's the submission specialist. Why would Stone Cold have any shot in this match? And they answered it by saying, Stone Cold will beat you into a submission. So the psychology was there. Like, Bret Hart's going to try and submit Stone Cold through a sharpshooter, and Stone Cold's going to try and submit Bret Hart by just stomping a hole in his chest yeah. <laughs> and making him quit the match. And the, the the biggest spot in this match, and there's a bunch of them. There's the there's the choking with the extension cord. Oh, there's yeah. the use of the bell, um, and there's all these great stories. If you go back and listen to some of those podcasts that I recommended about like how at one point Stone Cold accidentally got out. Uh, got out of the ring with Bret Hart. Like he threw him out of the ring in the wrong spot, and Bret Hart had to like stumble his way back in the ring to get to the spot where the cord was, and like all this inside stuff. But the biggest key spot was when Stone Cold gets busted open on the railing. And if you watch that, like they do the kind of the revert, they're outside the ring, and Stone Cold, Stone Cold's going to throw Bret Hart into the railing, but then Bret Hart reverses it, and Stone Cold goes stumbling down and rams into the railing, and he pops his head up, and he's busted open. And the camera was fixated on Stone Cold the whole time. And you could see, like, his arms were down. You could see that he didn't cut himself on the forehead. Yeah. So what happened there was Bret Hart, before the match started, WWE had a no-blood policy. They were in the middle of, like, hey, we got to please sponsors. We're finally getting our business back on track from having a crappy mid-'90s run. No blood. We want these sponsors to be happy with us so nobody can, can cut themselves. Well, Stone Cold and Bret Hart start talking about this match and how, okay, if the ending is going to be you passing out in the sharpshooter, that's a good ending. And Vince McMahon's the one that pitched that ending and said, this is, trust me, this is going to work. Oh my God. The fan, like, if you pass out, the fans are going to love you. Good bleep. And then Brett can stomp you when you're down and he'll be a bad guy. Like, it's good. And so they get out of the meeting and, uh, and, and Stone Cold even circled back to Vince alone and said, are you sure about this? I don't know. I don't know if this is going to work. Like, why would they cheer me at the end of this? And it was Bret Hart that pulled Stone Cold aside before the match and said, if we're going to do this, you have to be bleeding. If you're bleeding, it puts like it just it it puts everything over the top. It makes you look like even more of a badass, and the fans will sympathize with you even more that you passed out in a pool of your own blood. And Stone Cold said, "Well, I've only been with the company for like a year and a half. There's a no blood policy. I don't want to get fired by pissing off sponsors." And so Bret Hart said, "I'll do it." So Bret Hart, you'll see when when Stone Cold throws Bret Hart out of the ring, and they're setting up for like this this spot. You can see in his right hand, Bret Hart has a little razor. Oh, like, really? I've probably watched this match a hundred times. Okay, it's okay. one of my favorite matches of all time. Yeah. So g- go back and watch it again. You'll see Bret Hart has a razor in his right hand as he's getting up off the the like the blue mat on the concrete floor. Mm-hmm. And they do the double reversal thing, and Stone Cold goes into the railing. And Bret Hart walks up behind him and grabs him and starts like punching him from yeah. kind of the side. And within those punches, he just does a quick swipe above Stone Cold's eyebrow on the top of the head and cuts him perfectly. And because he's bald, like the blood runs everywhere. And <laughs> yeah, he was like yeah. busted, man. Like yeah, it, was it was flowing. Blood. It was blood. But that iconic scene at the end where he he push ups his way out of the sharpshooter and the crowd's going crazy. Yeah. And then he doesn't he gets like 90 percent out of it. And then Bret Hart puts it back on. 
and he's laying there with his arms out and the blood spewing out of his forehead. <laughs> and and Ken Shamrock, do you give up? Yeah. And very, very clearly saying, do you give up? So you can see that Stone Cold did not say anything. They ran that clip at the beginning of Raw is War for like two years. It was, right. the, it was the intro for Raw is War yeah, in the yeah. late 90s. Yep. So I'm rambling now, but like. No, it's good Bre- to know. Bret Hart deserves so much credit. For putting Stone Cold over and becoming a fan. Like, Stone Cold was going to be a star either way. Yeah. But the perfection of that match and the storytelling of that whole feud and the match and, like, Bret Hart saying, let's get some blood here to to put this over the top. And then Bret Hart pushing Stone Cold even further into the good guy realm, like, stomping him while he was down. Like, right. all of it was perfect. And it was so much fun, and it launched into the Attitude Era of the nineteen late nineteen nineties. So. Yeah, I, I man, I was all in on it, and I, I, I was just confused on. All right, I know the epicness of it, I know how it ends, but why is this going to be a submission match? And then it turned out to be great, like it worked, like it wasn't even that Stone Cold didn't have the submission finisher. It was the fact that he could beat the crap out of you. Yeah, and Bret Hart being the technician, and, and honestly, I think if you put name any crappy wrestler with Bret Hart, Bret Hart's going to make you look great. And, like and, old uh, Bob Backlund at WrestleMania. Yeah, like old freaking Bob Backlund, who also <laughs> made another appearance at this WrestleMania as, as a manager. manager yeah. God, just like, can we stop <laughs> the Bob the, Backlund? It's, it's not the 70s anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, I, you know, Undertaker has a lot of that in him, too, where he, he has the ability to get people over. I, um, not a side, not to go down a complete different path, but uh, Cody Rhodes talked about how on a, on a podcast that when he made his Royal Rumble debut, they're in. Cody Rhodes enters and he's beating people up and he has Undertaker in a headlock and Undertaker in the headlock says, DDT me, give me a DDT. And he's like, I'm Cody Rhodes, I'm this rookie, like, you want me to DDT the Undertaker? He's like, DDT me. Yeah. And he DDTs the Undertaker and the crowd just goes crazy and it was like his most favorite moment of his career because wow. Undertaker told him, give me a DDT That's and amazing. a headlock. Ugh. You know, just like, just little stuff like that where guys like Bret Hart and Undertaker can pretty much lay the foundation for someone who is completely irrelevant and make them a star. So amazing. I love stories like that. I love the inner workings of yeah, guys yeah. like Bret Hart and Stone Cold was one of these guys too, and Undertaker and Triple H that know like just the right buttons to push right. and the right things to do. And and one of the buttons that they pushed in this match was the knee injury button because Stone Cold had the, he to- actually had a, a partially torn ACL and he had the knee brace on. That's right. And so to play out the story of like, let's work on his knee so that he, and then Stone Cold continued to limp around the ring and stuff throughout the match. And they did. They they had the one spot where there was a figure four across the ring post, oh, yeah. and like, oh, just brilliant. And and I think the the big comeback scene where Stone Cold gets Bret Hart in the corner, and then stomps a hole in his chest, like yep. grabs the ropes and does the classic oh, yeah. Stone Cold thing. <laughs> and he's fired up, and he's like limping around, and then he does the double middle fingers, and then stomps him again. <laughs> that right there, like, I'm now I'm nerding out, but. So many wrestlers don't get like you need to go all in on your character. And Stone Cold was some, I feel like some wrestlers are almost like afraid to go all in on their character. Yep. And Stone Cold was so committed and it was kind of just a ramped up version of Steve Austin, like the person. Yep. And if you listen to his podcast and stuff, he's like, that's the guy that he is. It's just like the one you see in the ring is the aggressive version of him. But to watch him just like feeding into the crowd energy and knowing like this is my big Late match comeback with my, like, he's playing into the character. And I just thought, like, both those guys knew who they were as wrestlers. Mm -hmm. They knew how to work the crowd psychologically. And then they knew how to get the crowd to turn in the direction that they wanted at the end of the match. So 
it's just like I'm so happy that you got to see this match for the yeah. first time because it is flat out just like one of the best matches in the history of wrestling and, for so many reasons. And I mean, I've I've seen most of the WrestleManias we're about to stumble on here in the next few weeks, but um, I I ne- had never seen it and I was absolutely blown away. I mean, I, I it totally lived up to the hype, and I I'm ready for something else to top it because I've seen some pretty epic WrestleMania matches too that I'm, I can't wait to get into in yeah. later weeks. But I think this will be number one. I honestly think this is the best match I've ever seen. So what happens then, like from this point going forward, Stone Cold starts feuding with a couple different wrestlers and then and then picks up an Owen Hart feud towards SummerSlam. I think it was actually at SummerSlam where uh, where Stone Cold and Owen Hart are feuding for the Intercontinental Championship. And Owen Hart picks up Stone Cold and pile drives him. Yeah. And Stone Cold was too low and he broke Stone Cold's neck or give him like a fracture in his neck. So Stone Cold is the hottest star in the company. They're building him up for a championship run whenever the timing was right later on in 1997 or early 1998. But he's but he's kind of in this stopgap feud with Owen Hart. Gets his neck broken three months after WrestleMania in early August or whatever it was. And he can't wrestle for like four months. And there was legit fear behind the scenes. My God, we just built this up. We had the double turn at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Stone Cold's about to be the money-making face of the franchise. We're fighting tooth and nail with WCW for relevance and for ratings. And now this guy can't wrestle for like four months, but they kept him on TV. They had weekly feuds. I actually went through this weekend. I was texting you about this. I went through and I watched every single degeneration X segment (laughs) from late 1997, like the formation of DX. And within those, there was all these stone cold McMahon segments every week. It was like stone cold and McMahon stone cold saying, this is all storyline. I want to come back from the neck injury. You're a coward. You won't let me. And Vince McMahon's like, oh, I'm not going to let you sue the company. if yeah. you." And so they, they played out throughout the rest of 1997. The Hart Foundation was the whiny bad guy group. Um, Degeneration X was forming. And Stone Cold was becoming this lone ranger, lone wolf. Yeah. Every man who fights with his boss and who fights the power, right? Right, yeah. Blue collar, white guy. Yep. Fighting the power against the, against the boss. And all of that sort of spun off of the, the 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 fallout of WrestleMania 13. And 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 Shawn Michaels came back at some point around like SummerSlam. He didn't wrestle at WrestleMania because of all the stuff that was happening. But mm-hmm. but it all like that match was like a jumping off point for Hart Foundation being bad guys and whiny. Shawn Michaels coming back and forming Degeneration X to go against Hart Foundation and Stone Cold becoming this amazing Singular star, right? That sort of crossed over good guy and bad guy. And even, um, and they make an appearance in this WrestleMania too, is Nation Domination. Like, That's another, right. another, another great stable of these late 90s, you know, DX, Heart Foundation, Nation of Domination, um, Road Warriors on their second tour, the Headbangers, who were, I mean, this does lay the complete foundation for the next essentially three years of, of, of a golden, a gold mine of wrestling in WWF. Yep. So, um, there's a million things to get to outside of that match. Any other final <laughs> thoughts on Stone Cold versus Bret Hart before? And we'll get to some more when we get to Mike McGivern's weekly mm-hmm. uh, inside information dump. But any other final thoughts having watched that match for the first time? I, I wish, uh, we got more of Stone Cold Bret Hart. I wish, I think yeah. that's, and maybe I'll have to go back and watch the, the older match from Survivor Series too, because I didn't see that one. But, but yeah, I, 96. I, there's a gold mine in 96 that. between those two guys. I'll for have sure. to get in on that because, yeah, it was great. They paired off so well together. Uh, we also had the WrestleMania debut of The Rock yeah. at WrestleMania 13. Rocky Maivia, they tried to shove Rocky Maivia down the fans' throats for like two years as a as a an athletic good guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so he, this match was notable for a couple reasons. Number one, it's the debut of The Rock, but it was also the WrestleMania debut of the Sultan, the Sultan. who is Rikishi. Yeah, that's Rikishi Fatu, about a hundred pounds lighter than he was <laughs> uh, when he developed his actual character that got over, but. 
Uh, my biggest thing with this match is they tried to bring Rocky. Jo- Rocky Johnson was a star in the 70s. Yeah. But by this point, I don't know how many fans in that arena really knew who he was. So Rocky Johnson, the Rock's dad comes out to save him at the end of this match. So he rolls up the salt and gets the win. And then Bob Backlund and it was an Iron Sheik. Like they just, yeah. they, they attack Rocky Maivia. And so Rocky Johnson comes down the ramp and the fans, like you're kind of watching the fans reaction. No one knew who he was. Yeah. <laughs> so it's this moment like father, son, and it's the, it's the rock getting his <laughs> first big WrestleMania moment and doing the, the double punch with his dad. And nobody really knew who Rocky Johnson was because it's 1997 and it's a, it's a young, totally different crowd. Yeah. It's interesting um, seeing the wrestling style of rock. Cause I think that's still pretty much the same. Like it's very similar to who he is. He obviously doesn't have the people's elbow yet and stuff like that, but he's he's much... I see a lot of the similarities of his wrestling debut or, or style, but who he was as a person was just this reserved... Oh, it's this athlete from the University of Miami. He was a two-sport athlete, and, yeah. and he's athletic as hell, and look at... He's a he's the first third-generation superstar and all all this buzzwords, but it was really like, well, he wasn't... He wasn't connecting with the fans. Like, it, it, he was fine. Fine who has Rocky Maivia, but he wasn't... I don't think anyone imagined that Rocky Maivia would turn into The Rock, you yes. know, two years later when he was at the peak of WWF. It, was a, it's a, it is funny watching him try to pander with this like weird curly hair too yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And then he figured out a year and a half later, it was, it was actually a, a very real transformation. He was kind of resentful that the fans didn't like him and he's going out there and working his ass off. And so he just started cutting real promos against the fans. Like, yeah. like screw you guys. And it worked for yeah, him. Yeah, monkey trash. Yeah, yeah. I, I love all this stuff. Exactly. We also had the WrestleMania debut of John Bradshaw Layfield. JBL makes his WrestleMania debut as part of the new Blackjacks. <laughs> In a four-team tag match, uh, obviously JBL later became a single star, but in between his time with the new Blackjacks and then eventually becoming a single star, he was part of the Acolytes with Farouk yep. after Farouk got booted from the Nation of Domination by The Rock. So all of this groundwork is being laid oh, yeah. as well. Um, and then I, I would say um, JBL pretty much looks the same with just like <laughs> different colored hair in this match a, as he does now. And like a he, funky little mustache. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was hilarious. That whole tag team was, was pretty funny because, like, you had these, the, the Godwins, right? The, the the Hillbilly Gym protégés, if you will. And then also the Headbangers. And the Headbangers come out uh, come out winning this match, Mosh and Thrasher. But my always biggest memory of the Headbangers is, and I wrote it down, like, if, if there is a result of what tag team lost the most matches on WWF Raw, like, who just always got beat, I swear to God, the headbangers got beat in every single match that they were always in. And that's why I was so, like, yeah. I, that was when they first came out, I was like, oh, they're going to lose this match. Because all I remember of the headbangers is they always were just paired against another tag team and they always end up losing. Yes. And they actually end up winning this little three, uh, three man tag match. But I thought it was hilarious that Mosh and Thrasher come out on top because I have all these memories from 98, 99 and, in, and into 2000 by the time they were gone of they were fun. Like they, they're really, they got a good pop out of the crowd, but they would always just end up losing. They, they were, were just, jobbers. They were just goofballs. Yeah. yeah. They were super goofballs. I skipped one of our categories. So before we go through some of the other matches, uh, what was your least favorite part about WrestleMania 13? Uh, I, I didn't really get the whole uh, Legion of Doom. Legion of Doom. The street fight? Yeah, I didn't really understand it. Um, I love how they went from the bloodbath Austin Hart match <laughs> to just like this cluster bleep street yes. fight with 100 people around the ring. Um. I, yeah, I didn't really. I, I I like the Nation of Domination, so I was excited to see that a little bit. But I just the Legion of Doom, and then trying to figure out Ahmed Johnson again. We talked about it last week. Like I, Ahmed Johnson is, is this freaking nature, but no one knew how to work him. Like he he, he also couldn't really do promos. And he stuff. couldn't cut a promo. He was a freak athlete. He obviously could throw you around a little bit, but 
but you, no one could figure out what to do. Like, oh, so let's just pair him with the Legion of Doom, the most iconic tag team. At the, and, and Hawk and Animal are Chicago guys in a way, even though I think one of them is actually from Minneapolis. I know they're built from Chicago. Yeah. But I think, I think Road Warrior Hawk is technically from Minneapolis. Uh, Animal is from Minneapolis. Animal's from Minneapolis. And Animal's son is John Laurinaitis, star linebacker from uh, Ohio State, from right. Minnesota, then Ohio State, and then played for the Rams in the NFL. So so I, I just didn't really understand that, but I, I think most of this WrestleMania was was very, very solid. So in general, um, I, I, didn't, I didn't have too many bad takeaways, and we'll get into the notes, but the only thing that I, I just didn't really understand was I, I know that they had to throw out the whole playbook after – Michaels relinquished the title, but Stone Cold won the Royal Rumble, but he gets the title shot at a house show before. Like, that was the only thing I was just a little confused by because I'm so used to, all right, Royal Rumble winner, you you go to the title, yeah. you, you you get your match at WrestleMania, and Stone Cold didn't necessarily get that, but that was more because of the ramifications of all this cluster bleep that happened yeah. with, with Shawn Michaels. And we'll get to some of that lead up here in a second. Uh, one note on Ahmed Johnson, he looked the part, he could move, he got injured a few times. They would have him cut promos on Monday Night Raw, and I watched a couple of these in my 1997 excursion over the weekend. <laughs> and there was one I, I should I should have had us pull this, but like it's like they they didn't really script promos back then. They basically said, "Hey, uh, you're cutting a promo about this guy. You kind of have this much time, and uh, just get from point A to point B and fill it in however you need to." Sure. And oftentimes they would do these things live on camera, either backstage or to start a show. They do like the 15 minute segments. And you watch some of these top guys like Triple H and Shawn Michaels and Stone Cold and Vince McMahon. Like they obviously had a point A to point B to point C, but it wasn't a scripted 10 to 15 minute thing. They would be out there just just freewheeling, loosey-goosey. And that's that's one thing that I really resent about today's WWE is that they try to script everything so much. And mm-hmm. these you can tell that a lot of these guys are trying to memorize things that they should just be delivering with passion, and the promos are just not nearly as good as they were no. before. But there was one promo. This is where I can get a little off the rails and why they probably did try to script stuff later on. Like, Ahmed Johnson was not able to just cut promos off the cuff. It was bad. And there was one promo I heard him cutting at the end of a Monday Night Raw where Stone Cold Steve Austin was going on a rampage leading up to, like, Survivor Series 97 because he wanted a revenge crack at Owen Hart for the Intercontinental Championship. And so Owen Hart would be in all these Intercontinental Championship matches, and Stone Cold would just come in and sabotage the match so that Owen Hart would keep the title yeah. so that he could he could take it from him at Survivor Series. And one of those matches was Ahmed Johnson against Owen Hart, and Stone Cold came in, gave Ahmed Johnson a stunner just to end the match and keep the belt on Owen. And so they cut to Ahmed Johnson at the end of the episode of Raw, and his promo was something like, Stone Cold Steve Austin, when you interfered in my match, you came into my end zone. Next week, I'm coming into your end zone. Like, it's like made no sense. <laughs> yeah, just bad stuff. And now I have to cough because I just cut a promo yeah, like I'm a Johnson. There you go, I'm a Johnson. Um, my least favorite part was probably, I would say it was probably the main event, like Undertaker, Psycho, Sid. Yeah, it's it was way too long. Way, 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 way yeah, too long. It was 20 minutes. Bret Hart came out to bitch at the beginning of which, the match. Which I liked. I liked that part. I had good. no problem with that part. It, it just kind of felt like this is the main event of WrestleMania, and we're using it as a mechanism to further Bret Hart's turn as a bad guy. Yeah. Which is fine, but like, I don't know if the main event of WrestleMania with The Undertaker is the spot <laughs> to do that, but I mean, it worked well for the storyline. And so then later on, Bret Hart came back and blasted Sid in the back with a chair, and Undertaker winds up uh, getting the pin for... To end WrestleMania as the champion, I don't know. I just like this is this was the uh, this is the end of the match. We'll play the audio. Oh, 
the thing. Like The Undertaker is like the fourth or fifth thing you think about at this WrestleMania, even though he won the main event and won the championship. Yeah. And then this springboards him. Like He eventually lost the championship to Bret Hart a few months later. But this springboarded him into a feud with Shawn Michaels and Degeneration X and the first ever Hell in a Cell match mm-hmm. and all those things. But my biggest question off of this, Psycho Sid is now at the end of like a five or six year run, broken up a little bit, of being one of the top main event stars. He main evented against Hulk Hogan in the early 90s. He main evented like three different WrestleManias and was one of the top bad guys of the 90s. Yeah, totally He's was. not in the WWE Hall of Fame. Psycho Sid, like, Coco Beware is in the WWE Hall of Fame. <laughs> Hacksaw Jim Duggan is in the, like, but Psycho Sid is not in the WWE Hall of Fame. Yeah, I don't understand, on the, I don't understand why he isn't. Um, He is, he, he was, he was a freak, he was good on the mic, he was honestly, he, he was, I mean, Psycho Sid, it really, it, it explains itself right there, he was insane. Um, I don't know if maybe, like, the fans didn't love him as much. I don't know, like, you, you were around, obviously, when you, you had, you understood who he was, but, like, I feel like maybe there just wasn't a big, big enough connection with the fans, because, like, like you said, like, Devon Dudley, okay? Like, the Dudley boys are in the Hall of Fame, and they're an iconic tag team, and, and they, they were great, but, like, Psycho Sid was a main eventer at WrestleMania multiple times. Yeah, some of it might be the era. Like, the WWE took a nosedive from, like, 1992 through 1996 into seven, then they kind of came back up, and so if you were a prominent star during that era, True. it's probably just lesser, like... It wasn't Bret Hart's fault, but Bret Hart was the star of the company. Like, he's the biggest star of the company from 1992 through 1997. Yep. And um, the company only had, like, five or six viable talents, and WCW was kicking its ass for the majority of it. So I thought that was interesting. Um, on the Chicago street fight that you bring up, yeah, I was, I don't know, it was it was just kind of a chaotic mess, and they yeah. just, like, let's just use as many weapons as possible and then, like, have a pin at the end. They used fire extinguishers, trash cans, nightsticks, chairs, two-by-fours, and uncomfortably a noose at various portions yeah, of a little the street weird. fight. Yeah, I think like the noose around the neck of black people is uh, also, probably not something we need to see. But. Also, just Jerry Lawler's, uh, little, although at the time, I'm sure it was great, but a lot of tone-deaf and, and pretty bad oh, yeah. comments uh, involving China, Involving yes, a bunch of wrestlers that are just like if you said that if any commentator said that in WWE today they they'd be fired like they wouldn't it wouldn't yeah. work. There's it's, a lot like 1997, 98, and especially some of those Raw episodes. They don't edit some of that stuff out. There's like derogatory, awful things I, being. said. I remember there's a Raw '98, which I'm excited to get into next next WrestleMania. But like Godfather just straight up calls a dude and not the f u f u word, but the other f word just calls him. Yeah. They're, it's like what the hell? That just is on live TV. Yes. Well, there's there's another there's another one at the beginning of '98 where Mike, so Mike Tyson, the famous yeah. the standoff with Stone Cold Steve Austin. That episode ends, so it's a shoving match and it's great, and it gets on Sports Center. And that episode of Raw ends with a backstage view of Mike Tyson and his crew, just like yelling at Vince McMahon, like you know who were Stone Cold, whatever. And Mike Tyson four different times to end the episode stares straight in the camera and says, "Stone Cold, you f word." Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. the derogatory the, toward yeah. homosexuals. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. I can't believe what so, they got away with. So it was terrible. Um, one more thing to play for you here, because this was also the WrestleMania debut of China. This is WrestleMania 13. We're in Chicago, Illinois. It's a granddaddy of them all. And as far as China goes, you don't need to know anything about it. I can take gold dust any way I want. Today, I'm going to take him straight up one on one. But the big loser is going to be Marlena because you had the chance and you turned it down. 
So your special talent had better be running with China at ringside tonight, Marlena. Triple H Goldust was a pretty good match. Yeah, it was. Those guys could go, and uh, and and obviously China became a legendary star in the women's ranks. But Marlena later went by her real name, which was Terry Runnels, and she became right. like the face of. I guess sexually explicit WWE programming. Yes, she would go around and wrestle in like mud matches and stuff, yep. and and she it, got a hell of a bear hug from uh, from China at the end of that match. Yes, yeah, she did. Yeah, must have been cold in the arena. A little cold, a little cold, a little too cold little there. Yeah. So Triple H later on <laughs> would would learn to lower the tone of his voice. This is WrestleMania 13. About two years later, he did not speak that highly. Hey everybody, it's hey, Triple, Triple H. H. I'm Paul Hershelmsley. A couple years later, it was I'm going to kill you with a sledgehammer. Yeah. I am Triple I'm H. The game. <laughs> I am the game. So that was Triple H taking off. And then the only other thing I would note before we get into fun facts from listener Mike and some of the other categories is this was also the WrestleMania debut of Mankind, McFoley, who uh, was was injured and they weren't able to put him in a singles match. So it wound up being Owen Hart and British Bulldog versus Mankind and Vader, kind of a nondescript tag match. Yeah. In this one. And those were the matches. So um, fun facts from listener Mike. I'm just going to read through some of these. In 1997, WWF was still trailing WCW business-wise, but the wrestling business's rising ship was lifting all boats. And so backed by over 60,000 in attendance at the Royal Rumble at the Alamo Dome, over 23,000 fans in attendance at a television taping in the Sky Dome, and TV ratings being so high, the, the USA Network made the call to have Monday Night Raw move live for two hours each week. WWF was enjoying its best business since 1991 in the late 90s. It was originally expected for Shawn Michaels to defeat Psycho Sid for the WWF title at Royal Rumble and have Bret Hart win the Rumble match and beat Michaels, getting his win back at WrestleMania, uh, getting his win back from the previous year's WrestleMania and set up a gigantic rubber match down the road. In a late swerve, McMahon tabbed the red-hot Stone Cold Steve Austin to win the Royal Rumble. This is the first time that the internet made McMahon change his mind, a common theme nowadays. There was a ton of speculation in online forums and chat rooms that Bret Hart was going to win the Rumble and beat Michaels at Mania, and McMahon and other members of the creative team went with Steve Austin instead to surprise people. Then, in late February, after the Rumble, is when the entire show got moved around. Michaels, still only 31 years old at the time, which is amazing, had a tweaked knee injury that was portrayed as a major career-threatening injury that caused him to vacate the WWE title. In reality, he was having a psychological breakdown compounded by alcohol and painkiller abuse. Michaels made the call himself to step away, and McMahon backed his decision despite having to completely rewrite the top of the WrestleMania card. A pessimist might say Michaels knew he was going to lose to Bret Hart, who he hated, and wasn't man enough to do the job like Hart had the previous year, instead taking his ball and going home. Uh, There really may be something to that. That's what people speculate, but... 25 years later, all parties involved that Shawn, uh, admit that Shawn Michaels was pretty much a disaster in his personal match. So what you allude to was they had a four-way match at the February In Your House pay-per-view. So all of the non-premium pay-per-views were called In Your House as a brand. That's right. It's like In Your House, Buried Alive. In yep. Your House, Degeneration X, whatever. And so that main event was Psycho Sid, Bret Hart, Undertaker, and Stone Cold, with the winner becoming the WWF champion, uh, and Hart winning the title for the fourth time. So, um, and then Hart, so Hart won the title. Then he defended the title against Psycho Sid in uh, a TV match. And that's when Stone Cold hit Bret Hart with a chair, costing Bret Hart the title and setting up the feud that they wound up going with. So that's the backstory. And then Ken Shamrock signed in late February. Love me some Ken Shamrock. 
And he had a nice little run there for three or four years. Yeah. Took a lot of chair shots to the head. That guy was a psycho. He was insane. But he was entertaining to watch. And um, that's kind of it for the for the main notes here. We went over a lot of this other stuff. WWF, there's another note from Mike. WWF uh, tried to bring in Dennis Rodman for this WrestleMania. They offered him a million dollars for a WrestleMania and a Raw appearance. And Rodman had worked with uh, WCW going back to 1995. So he ends up tagging with Hollywood Hogan to face Diamond Dallas Page and Carl Malone at the July WCW batch at the Beach pay-per-view, <laughs> which probably was a better payday and storyline uh, based on what listener Mike speculates. So that's it. That's a wrap. Um, match that stole the show. I mean, I mean, it's it's, it's Stone Cold Bret Hart. So, so does that mean? But then our we still do our definitive main event rankings, right? So we well, still well, have, we still have to list Undertaker we, there. We've pivoted to the definitive overall WrestleMania rankings here. Cool. For that's right. For I sort of saw this one coming and was like, all right, we're not gonna. Yeah, yeah. That's the, that main event doesn't matter compared to the Bret Hart Stone Cold. So right now we have WrestleMania ten as our top WrestleMania, WrestleMania six as our second one. That's Warrior Hogan. WrestleMania eight was the Savage versus Ric Flair uh, main event. WrestleMania 12 was the previous year with the Iron Man match. And then WrestleMania 5 between Hogan and Savage. Where would you put this overall WrestleMania? I think it's I think it's 2 or 1. It's 2 or 1 for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, 10 right. was great, which is so funny because then the next two are just so blah. But um, I, I, I think it's 1 or 2. I'm going to put it 2. Okay. I think it's 2. I think you had... It's kind of similar in that you had matches that sort of stole the show earlier on. You could argue that the Bret Hart match against Owen Hart stole the show at WrestleMania 10 or the iconic ladder match. Right. And then the main event was pretty good too, but I'm going to put it number two just behind WrestleMania. I think WrestleMania 10 had like three different power punches throughout. Yes. WrestleMania 13 really had the one power punch and then mm-hmm. a bunch of really interesting things that yeah. led to the attitude era. I can, I can get down with that. Cool. So, um, so we got 14 next week and I want to yeah. add that we also should at least watch the first segment of Raw after that because I think that's one of the most iconic Raw moments of all time yep. when a new member of DX comes into the fold. And cuts that promo on and WCW. it's one of the best <laughs> Raw Monday Night War. It might be arguably the number one Raw uh, Monday Night War moment between the two because it's, it's yeah. insane. I remember watching that and not, like, I didn't really watch WCW. Yeah. And I had, I kind of realized, like, oh, that's the one, two, three kid. Yeah. Oh, why is he so aggressive now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I was more of a WCW guy, but three years ago, um, just like you did this last week, but it took me like six months, I binged an entire year of 1998 Raws. took me like six months to do, because obviously yeah. it's, they're 90 minutes long, but I did from, from the beginning of 98 all the way to the end, and after that WrestleMania, that Raw, after Mania, which are always iconic, obviously, but I think that one might be the most iconic start to one that, We've ever seen. Yeah. So I, I want to add at least that promo to it on top of our WrestleMania I'm, 14. I'm there with you, man. Okay. I'm there with you. That's a wrap on this episode of WrestleMania Rewind. Phil Mackey, Declan Goff. You can always hit us up on Twitter at Phil Mackey or at Dex's Tweets. Welcome everyone to WrestleMania 13. Welcome to a jam-packed, hold-out, Rosemont Horizon in Chapman, Chicago. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, 
or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays, and Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.